愛がもしも叶うなら今すぐ君のもとへできないことはもう何もない全てかけて抱きしめてみせるよ Now we get around to rectifying a mistake that I'm not really sure how we made, which is that、um, we haven't really ever talked about Makoto Shinkai on this podcast. I, I mean, I think we've mentioned him a couple of times offhand in other discussions, but、uh, we've never really gotten around to reviewing any of his works or talking at length about him. And I think that he's somebody that's worth talking about. So we're going to review a 2007 film, or more accurately, sort of a collection of short films linked together. It's called Five Centimeters Per Second, a chain of short stories about their distance. It was released here by ADV, but I believe it's out of print now. It is, because pretty much everything、yeah. that ADV ever released is now out of print, but Five Centimeters Per Second actually、right. had gone out of print well before they shut down, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Fairly quickly, I believe, which was kind of surprising. So, as the title suggests, this movie is actually made up of three shorter segments that follow the same main character. And have a similar theme with a slightly different、uh, focus in each one. The main character is Tono Takaki. It really follows him throughout a good portion of his life looking at sort of different snapshots. It starts out with him in, I believe it's elementary school. He and this girl meet in school and become very, very close together. And it basically talks about the fact that they communicate all the time, but eventually one of them moves away. And they continue to write to one another frequently. As opposed to sending in one another text messages via cell phone. Yes, but it's going to be basically a much greater distance between them. They won't be able to visit each other anymore now because they'll live far enough apart. I mean, where they were before, they could at least catch the train and see each other every once in a while, but now they're basically never going to see each other again. So they'll only be able to communicate through letters or、um, cell phone messages and such. It's sort of about him and her trying to meet together for a last time before they're separated. And they each have a message to give to the other one. And it's basically just about whether they are able to go through with giving that message and their last visit together. The second story takes place several years later when Takaki is in high school. This time it's about another girl who he is in class with who、um, has a crush on him, but she and he can never really seem to connect. He's sort of always staring off into space, typing out messages on his cell phone, which we assume to be to the girl from the first segment. So it's sort of about this other girl trying to connect with him. The third storyline is about Takaki after he is graduated. He now has a job as, a, I believe, a computer programmer. And we also see that. Akari, the girl from the first segment, is about to get married, naturally to someone else, not to Takaki. In this segment, we see that Takaki is now kind of a loner. He doesn't really seem to have a lot of connection with anybody. And we sort of see a little bit of both of their lives and where they're at as each one of them kind of moves on, basically, or tries to move on to a new period in their lives. And so all three stories are basically on the subject of distance, as noted in the title. 
about the distance between people and the fact that in a lot of ways, people aren't necessarily able to overcome that distance and really reach out and connect with another person. I would say that's probably the dominating theme of Makoto Shinkai's work in general is that yeah. right? Yeah, I haven't seen Place Promised in our early days, but I have seen Voices of a Distant Star, and Voices of a Distant Star definitely had a very similar theme. Yeah, I saw Place Promised in our early days, and I can vouch that that idea is running through that. Voices of a Distant Star, I don't know if we'll uh, review that on its own at some point, but basically it's also about two people, two um, lovers who are separated by a great distance. In the case of Voices of a Distant Star, they're separated by a war, and it's sort of a science fiction story. Whereas Shinkai mentions that in 5 centimeters per second, he really wanted to tell a much more real-life story. Yeah, because Place Promised in our early days was like this alternate universe sort of existence in Japan, where I think they were on like yeah. opposite sides mm. of the war. It was a yeah. war, and yeah... Spies and things like that. Whereas this one doesn't have any kind of fantasy or science fiction elements. Everything is is super realistic. In fact, all of the locations that are shown in the movie, they did very extensive location scouting. And so a lot of the backgrounds are renderings of real places. I can put a link up in the show notes that actually has a site where they have photographs of the real places that show up in the movie and you can see like how precisely they've recreated all of them. So this one is really trying to be much more down to earth. But other than that, you're right, it is very similar. I mean, it has a very similar quality in sort of the theme that it's talking about, in the emotional sort of tenor of Shinkai's work. And a lot of Shinkai's work tends to be internally focused. It's very much about people's emotions. Even though in Voices of a Distant Star, there was a war and there was some action, it was mostly sort of scenes of somebody like staring at their cell phone screen and and thinking about things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, I, and I guess it should probably, if you wanted to elaborate on the theme even further, like it's not just a separation, and maybe because we're so used to watching anime, we thought nothing of it at the time, but I think the fact that it's usually adolescents or teenagers right. involved is sort of also this sort of like teenage romance is probably a little different from, you know, an adult romance. Right, and I think a lot of times adolescents are very prone to feelings of isolation, because you're still kind of trying to to figure out who you are and what your place in the world is. It's easy to be very awkward as an adolescent. And I know that, or at least what I've heard is that in Japan, especially in terms of cross-gender relationships, sometimes there's a little bit of awkwardness there that they don't really associate very much, except for maybe in elementary school, as we see in the first segment. Right. I think like elementary school for Japanese people, that's kind of what they long for, the way that a lot of American media is frequently depicted as like people longing for their high school days. Like, yeah, those were the days. Yeah. For Japan, it's like elementary school. Yeah, those were the days. I guess uh, junior high and high school are so stressful for most students in Japan that they wouldn't really look back fondly on that necessarily. In terms of each segment, what I think is interesting is that there's not really a huge amount of difference. The segments are all very similar, but the differences between them are much more subtle. It's sort of shades of isolation and distance. So in the first segment, you have two people that are separated by physical distance. There are people who are really close to one another, but because of their families moving, they're kind of forcefully separated by location. 
sometimes it's problematic for them to try and remain connected. And, and that's something I think a lot of people have probably experienced is that you have someone that's maybe a really good friend, maybe a lover, and you move away. And despite your best intentions and despite how close you may be, when you're not physically near that person and you don't see them all the time, sometimes it becomes difficult to maintain that connection. Whereas in the second segment, it's more about emotional distance. In this case, the two characters see each other in school every single day. There's no physical separation, but there's an emotional separation. They just can't quite bridge that emotional gap. And in the third segment, it's really sort of um, an individual kind of distance where one person kind of becomes very isolated and Takaki sort of gets to a point where he's not really connecting with anybody around himself. He sort of becomes isolated in his work and also because of his nostalgia He's so stuck in the past, he can't really engage with the people who are around him currently and move forward. So in that sense, you might say they're separated in this case by time itself. Right, or at least the perception of time. In a relative sense, yeah. So they're all different kind of shades of the same thing. And I think it's kind of interesting to see how these differences are represented and how they work with kind of such a subtle difference between all of the portions. Of course, uh, with Shinkai, you have to talk about the visuals for his work. You know, maybe I should explain a little bit about who Makoto Shinkai is. He's sort of a, a notable figure in anime right now, but I don't know if maybe notable in comparison to people like uh, Satoshi Kon or Mamoru Oshii. I'm not sure if he's quite at that level, but he's somebody that's often referenced as one of the newer wave of people to like look out for as in terms of directors and creators for animation. And I think Shinkai may be considered important by some people because my understanding is that his materials are completely original to animation. And I know that that's one thing that I think we touched on in previous episodes, which is that primarily in anime, everything is an adaptation. It's based off of a manga or a light novel, or it's even an adaptation of a a straightforward literary novel Whereas Shinkai's work seems to be all completely original to his anime production. And very, very interestingly enough, he came from video games, a complete opposite. Yeah, right, actually, that's what what I was going to mention. Another thing that's notable about Shinkai, at least for his first stuff, which uh, Voices of a Distant Star, and then I think also She and Her Cat, was done basically completely by himself. He basically did this whole, like, movie on his computer, and all his stuff is CG animated. And yes, he got his start and learned CG working in video games. Yeah, we've seen, like, individual works come out from people before, but Makoto Shinkai is, as far as I can tell, the first time that we'd ever seen something of this high a quality. Right. And that long, too. Right. The, the length but, of yeah, it done, is... Re- it was 30 minutes. Yeah, first thing he did was like 25 or 30 minutes, and it was done, as you said, entirely by him. Absolutely, 100%. There was actually two versions that were put out, one where he and his girlfriend did the voice acting. Right. So, yeah, usually when you see these kind of solo animated works, they're usually like maybe five-minute videos. If you troll uh, Nico Nikodoga, sort of a Japanese YouTube equivalent. Sometimes you'll see like very short original animated things posted up there, but they're usually five minutes, very maybe simply ten. Done. Whereas, yeah. yeah, like you said, this is like a half an hour long, not five centimeters per second, Voices of a Distant Star. 
and it was completely done solo. Now, five centimeters per second was not done entirely by Shinkai. He did actually work with a team of animators, a full sort of production team. Um, so it's made a little more like a traditional animated film as compared to his earlier stuff. Yeah, I think it actually helps that it's presented in the three short format because like we said, Shinkai tends to stick to kind of the same general tropes from all his works that he's made to date. And Voices of a Distant Star was about 30 minutes or so. Each of the segments in five centimeters per second are roughly 20 minutes-ish, I'd say. By contrast, The Place Promised on Early Days is one 90-minute film. And that's probably, like, I remember seeing that and thinking that this isn't that good. It seems like he's the type of guy that if he at least divides his thoughts up into 20 and 30-minute chunks... Mm. It seems to come out better. Yeah, that may be. Um, I, I really like five centimeters per second a lot. I don't know if I would put it over Voices of a Distant Star or not, because I really liked Voices of a Distant Star. I think visually... I think the general consensus is that people seem to like Voices of a Distant Star a lot, just because it was the first one, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think visually this one is a lot stronger, and granted, this one does have a whole team of people working on it, so there's a lot that they can do that Shinkai by himself couldn't necessarily do when making Voices of a Distant Star. Yeah, it's the difference between making something on your computer by yourself and a film that was released in theaters, like this was a right. know, movie released Yeah, so I don't know theater. that it's a, exactly a fair comparison, um, but 5 centimeters per second certainly looks amazing. One of the things it's most known for is, you know, I mentioned the the hyper-realistic backgrounds where they went and did all this location research, and really sort of the backgrounds and the landscapes are sort of the big notable thing about this movie. It is filled with absolutely breathtaking backgrounds. Most of the ones that people really remember are not the city scenes, but sort of the landscape-type scenes, especially in episode two called Cosmonaut. In that sequence, Takaki is living in an area where the Japanese equivalent of NASA is based. And so there's sort of in the background stuff going on having to do with space launches. And there's a lot of emphasis in that episode on these huge sky expanses, the sky at dusk and things like that. And it really looks fantastic. So, you know, visually, I'd say it's probably the top. Um, Story-wise, I think it is really strong, but that is, of course, if you are the type of person who can enjoy these kinds of more quiet character-focused works, as opposed to something that's really externally plot-driven. You know, it's really difficult to talk about this movie, though, just because there isn't a lot of complicated plot to discuss. There's not a huge cast of characters. And I think that they really capture um, an admirable depth in looking at the emotional state of the characters. But it's difficult to really expand on that. I know a little bit about directing and cinematography, but not really enough to talk about the visuals in a great deal of fidelity. So I'm not really sure what else there is to particularly say about it. Dude likes clouds. Yes. That's pretty he much very, does very like clouds. Much clouds. I would say as far as cloud animation technology <laughs> is concerned, move over Robot Carnival because now Makoto Shinkai yes. is here and he's given us this movie with the best looking clouds ever. Yeah. Probably. Until his next yeah, one, I, I guess. I'm really looking forward to more stuff from yeah. him, though 
I think it'll be interesting to see if he keeps making works with the same theme or if he eventually sort of branches out. I mean, I really wonder if he's one of those um directors. I mean, some directors, some authors, they really have like one story or one type of story that they're really good at telling. Neil Stevenson? <laughs> I was going to say that maybe Makoto Shinkai is sort of the Christopher Guest of anime as far as that is concerned. <laughs> because... He kind of keeps making the same thing, and he has multiple hats, right. like you said. I mean, he does so much work on these things. Like, you know, he's the writer, and he directs, and he probably paid for it and does the music and all that stuff. He does so much work on his things. Even though he's got a, a staff of other people with him, he's still, that's his, the way he's used to working from, you know, Voices of a Distant Star. It's like, yeah. he did right. everything. Then when five centimeters per second and Place Promise in Early Days came out, it's it's still kind of hard to delegate those right. things out. And so you see, like, if you were Even to Even in Place to, Promise in our early days, it wasn't like a large staff. It was still a very small staff just to kind of assist with him largely making this movie. I imagine in this he's delegated out more than he has with those previous ones. Yeah. He's still doing a whole lot. I don't think lot. there's a lot of staff, though. I mean, there's a, let's see, character designer, an art director, two or three people for background art, and then a guy for music? That is, I think, more than he had for Place Promised. I mean, it's obvious that, you know, he can focus a little bit more on the story and such. What I'd really like to see him try is a TV series, like a 13-episode hmm. TV series. So, like, each episode maybe could be a self-contained story? Yeah, or it can be kind of an overarching story with just kind of like these pods of like the storyline going through because right. I don't think he's at the point yet where he can make a 90 minute long one storyline cohesive thing. Hmm. At least I haven't seen that yet. But yeah. If that's the case though, then would he really be able to do a 13 episode story thing? Or are you saying 13 self Well, what I'm saying stories? is that, uh, I mean, I haven't seen the story, but what from Clarissa has been telling me is that it holds together well in terms of being these sort of three separate stories that are connected together and i kind of get the feeling that he's on the right track as far as like the output that he's doing like he'll release something as like a one shot 90 minute thing or just like a 108v imagine if five centimeters per second was the same thing only told over 13 episodes instead of well, 90 minutes i mean we've frequently complained like hey these 13 episode shows a lot of them would have been mm. better if it was just a three-part oav or a short like well, they don't make thing. OAVs anymore, so I couldn't say, you know, it's a six-part OAV, which might be the strength. They sort of do, but the OAV market is kind of weird right now because most of the OAVs go through pay-per-view channels. Yeah. So they're still sometimes called OAVs because I don't know that they have a better name for them. But yeah, they're usually through pay-per-view. And they usually still have a set TV length. Don't they? Yeah. At least the ones that I've like. Ghost in the Shell was technically OAVs, right? And, that still and like the it. new Saints say of things, they seem to mostly still be about half an hour long. Again, I agree, Daryl, that most of the time these things are better in shorter form. But I would be very interested in what he could do if he could kind of divide his thoughts up into these 24-minute chunks. Right. And I think it might be interesting as he gets accustomed to working with other people, maybe if he starts collaborating with other people. So, you know, maybe even if he does have sort of only the one story that he really wants to tell, you know, maybe his visuals could be paired up with someone else's and maybe his his sort of emotional tenor could be paired up with somebody else's sort of plot 
work. And that yeah. could maybe be interesting. Yeah, I'd like to see him do like maybe a contribute to anthology pieces or yeah, something th- like that. You know, I think he would fit really well for that. I feel that if he did that, he would do the same thing that he's always done. Um, Probably. That's why I want to see him do a TV series, because I'm afraid that he's going to fall into that. We've seen the same thing again and again and again. And if he does an anthology piece, it'll have clouds. It'll have people talking on cell phones from a long distance. (laughs) And it'll have like this emotional disconnectiveness. That's fine. He does it well. But I would like to see him try something different. Yeah. So it it should be interesting to follow, you know, where he goes from here on. He's definitely somebody that um people should keep an eye out on. And, and luckily definitely. that seems to at least some extent be happening. After all, the internet has decreed February 28th to be Makoto Shinkai Day. <laughs> I did see that. We probably should have reviewed this then, but oh well. <laughs> if we had reviewed it then, it would have only come out like yesterday. Oh, that's true. But yeah, I really like Makoto Shinkai, and I really like where he's going, and I hope that we will see more and more out of him, because this is exactly the sort of talent that anime needs, badly. Like, we need to get more people who are disillusioned with video games to come back <laughs> and, into anime and, and yeah. create these sort of extraordinary works that you've never seen before. Right, and hopefully, you know, Makoto Shinkai has demonstrated that there still is a model for somebody to do their own project and manage to be successful if they do good work. Yeah. So hopefully that'll maybe inspire some other people to take that route. You know, maybe the traditional sort of route for getting into anime is dying. It used to be that you'd start as an in-betweener. Oh, and I then thought that the tra- traditional route to get into, like, the way you said that was like, you have to die because before you get into anime. <laughs> no, no. Maybe all your ambitions to actually make money have to die, and then you just go into yeah. to anime. But but the new route now is you start off as a video gamer, and then you have your idea, but then you realize your hopes and dreams are dashed in video games because it's told to you that the name Cloud Strife has already been <laughs> taken. And so now what are you going to do with your idea? Oh, I can make a cartoon about Cloud Strife. Indeed. Yeah. sense. <laughs> So, while this sounds excellent, you were saying that you were kind of debating whether it's better than Voices of a Distant Star? Yeah, it's kind of tough because it's one of those situations where I'm not really sure if it's really that one is that much stronger than the other, or if it's maybe just that I saw Voices of a Distant Star first, and so that had a bigger impact on me. Right, because then you've seen the same theme like three times already, so... Right, and so now like maybe Five Centimeters doesn't have the same kind of emotional impact coming after Voices of a Distant Star. Mm -hmm. Although I I certainly would not say that it's not emotionally engaging. It definitely is very much so. So I highly recommend it. I'm not really sure at this point how easy it is to find copies of the DVD since it is out of print. Usually even if stuff is out of print, you can still pretty much get it on Amazon and various other retailers on the internets. So I would definitely look for it. Oh, it's super expensive on Amazon. Oh, it is? It's $160 because it's not like being sold by Amazon itself. Oh. So everyone is like discontinued. Okay. Oh, I'd better sell oh. you know. It's kind of like how the Space Adventure Cobra on VHS on Amazon is $1,000. Amazon is the worst for oh, it's that. All, like, it's all bullshit. It is on Right Stuff for 22 bucks. There you go. 
That's right. Publisher by sec- Section 23 Films, so maybe it was relicensed. I think Right Stuff just did a find or place on anything that said ADV and changed to Section 23. Maybe, yeah. Probably. I don't know what it is with Amazon, but Amazon is really terrible about that. Like, things that are out of print will just be sold for it's hundreds of dollars. It's because they're sold by third parties, and they have no control or say over what people choose to price their own Z-Shop items at. It's just weird that people are choosing those prices, because if you go look at third-party sellers on eBay or other places, they're not charging anywhere near that amount. He's dead, you say. I think they're just hoping... Cross it out and double the price. (laughs) I think they're just trying. They're just like, "Eh, if, if some idiot does it, what are they to say? Yeah, I wonder how many of those actually sell. Dave Merrill said he saw Perfectural Earth Defense Force sell for $100. Oh. I saw it for $100 in the dealer's room multiple times, and then he says he found it for 5 bucks. Well, it, it, that they're trying to sell it. I don't know if they've actually successfully sold it. That's what I was saying. He said he saw it sell, like someone bought it. Are you sure it. he didn't say someone was selling it? No, no, no. He definitely said it got sold hmm. for $100. Because I, I remember a dealer... I think it was Section 23. That's crazy. It was selling it there for $100. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Please promise in our early days, so... No, five centimeters per second. No, that's what... No. <laughs> See? They all blend together, don't they? Yeah, they all do blend so, together. So yes, five centimeters per second, also Voices of a Distant Star, and I guess Place Promise in our early days. Check out some Makoto Shinkai, and we look forward to whatever he comes out with next. <laughs> Hey guys, I am Sean Ryan, also known as the Grey Ghost. And I am Kevin Gray, also known as the Business and the LLC. And we are Method to Madness, a weekly podcast that cusses and discusses anime and video games. Yes. And other otaku subjects. That That is what we are here for. We are here to rip them up and sometimes build them up. The shows that we love, the shows that we hate, the shows that we watch so that you wouldn't have to. Go to thegreyghost.net or go check us out on iTunes. With whiskey. (laughs) This is so stupid, but awesome. That's why this is going to be great. (laughs) Oh, this is...